summer 1930, 52-year-old Guy Ballard was hiking up the side of Mount Shasta in Northern California. As lunchtime neared on that beautiful August day, Ballard came across a mountain spring. Fresh, cold water was exactly what he needed, so he walked over to the spring and bent down to fill his cup. As he did, a jolt of electricity ran through Ballard's entire body. He shot up and turned around and was surprised to see a man standing behind him. At first, Ballard thought it was just another hiker, but a closer look made him think twice. The man wore jeweled white robes, and his eyes, they seemed to radiate wisdom. As Ballard studied him, the stranger smiled and said, My brother, if you will hand me your cup, I will give you a much more refreshing drink than spring water. Ballard handed over his cup, which the man filled with a mysterious liquid. As Ballard drank, an inexplicable feeling washed over him. Whatever was in the cup, it seemed to electrify his mind and body. His eyes filled with wonder. Somehow, he just knew. This mysterious stranger was none other than the famed 18th century Count of Saint-Germain. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. This is our second episode on the Count of Saint-Germain, the famous wandering alchemist of the 18th century, a man who has inspired countless tales and rumors over hundreds of years. Last time, we covered Saint-Germain's impressive life, most of which was spent rubbing shoulders and cajoling with history's greatest figures. From princes to kings and dukes to emperors, Saint-Germain managed to ingratiate himself with the movers and shakers of every city he visited. But who exactly was Saint-Germain? And where did he come from? Today, we'll try to solve those mysteries. We'll examine his origins and gauge whether rumors about his royal lineage have any merit. We'll also consider the claims that the Count discovered the Philosopher's Stone, gaining immortality, as well as rumors that claimed he was a reincarnated spiritual leader sent to shepherd mankind toward a better future. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me 
and changed how I'd started to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. In the 18th century, everyone who was anyone had a personal anecdote to share about Saint-Germain. If not, they likely had burning questions about something he'd said or done. Even those closest to him knew little about his past. The Count liked it that way. He even managed to keep his birthplace a secret throughout his life. And yet, despite how little the world truly knows about him, the Count pops up time and time again in the writings of prominent historical figures, many of whom wondered which of Saint-Germain's tall tales were actually true. The fact that he knew so many famous people from across Europe has led to rampant speculation about the Count. Several major conspiracy theories have emerged. The first we'll examine is probably the oldest of all of them. That the Count of Saint-Germain was secretly descended from royalty. The Count rarely spoke about his childhood, but when he did, it was littered with mentions of sprawling palaces and sun-kissed summer days. Sometimes he talked about his mother, and while he never revealed her identity, he did say he'd been separated from her at age seven because of a bounty that had been placed on his head. This led some to believe the Count's mother was none other than Spanish Queen Maria Anna of Neuburg. This would have been particularly interesting to the people of Saint-Germain's time because Maria Anna's story was all about her child, if one existed. It starts in February 1689. The first wife of King Charles II of Spain died without giving the king an heir. As a result, Charles' mother decided the next queen should be selected with fertility in mind, which is how Maria Anna comes into the picture. Maria Anna's family was renowned for its virility. Her parents had given birth to 17 children, so everyone had high hopes that she could help continue Spain's royal line of succession. A deal was made, and she and Charles were married within a year. 
Unfortunately, the union encountered problems from the start. For one, Maria Anna and Charles' mother didn't get along. This put a lot of pressure on the king, as both women attempted to exert their influence over him. To make matters worse, there was a possibility that the king was sterile. Charles II was a descendant of the famously inbred Habsburg line, which meant he had several developmental disabilities. What's more, his later autopsy allegedly revealed he had a single atrophied testicle. Though not confirmed, Charles' likely infertility meant Maria Anna would never conceive a royal child, try as she might. When Charles II died in 1700, there wasn't someone in line to inherit the throne. The uncertainty over who would rule kicked off the War of the Spanish Succession. Following her husband's death, Maria Anna was forced to flee the royal court. Several years later, based on rumors of the time, Maria Anna had an affair with a Jewish man from Bordeaux. Around 1705, she fled to Bayonne, France, in secret. Some believe it was to give birth. Apparently, upon Maria Anna's return to Spain, the Marchese del Carpio reportedly asked if she was in different circumstances, hinting at a secret pregnancy. Some believe Anna Maria's son grew up to be none other than Saint-Germain. And if she was, in fact, the Count's mother... That meant the Count might have had a claim to the Spanish throne. According to French scholar and writer Pierre-Jean Grolet, a Dutchman told him this story about the Count's royal lineage. Unfortunately, this anecdote is the only written account we have of these claims. No reliable evidence has ever surfaced to suggest that Saint-Germain was Spanish royalty. But that doesn't mean the Count didn't encourage the rumors. Some sources said he occasionally signed his letters with the title, The Prince of Spain. Ironically, this serves as a point against our theory. You see, Spanish princes weren't called princes. They bore the title Infante of Spain. If Saint-Germain was a Spanish heir, it seems unlikely he'd make this mistake. Truthfully, the notion that Saint-Germain was Spanish royalty doesn't hold much weight. But it is possible he was descended from another royal family, the Rakotsis. Prince Ferenc Rakotsi II was born in 1676, part of a long line of Transylvanian royalty. In 1703, Rakotsi led a peasant rebellion against the Habsburg monarchy of Austria, just like his father and grandfather before him. Legend has it that in 1708, at the Battle of Trenchin, Rakotsi was thrown from his horse and knocked unconscious. Believing him dead, his army turned tail and ran. And though the fighting continued for several years, the uprising never regained its footing. Rakotsi's rebellion officially ended in April 1711. Refusing to accept defeat, the prince left his wife and three young children behind and fled to Poland. Rakotsi's properties were confiscated by the Austrian Empire, and his three children were forced to give up their names and titles. The eldest son escaped from Vienna in 1734 and continued fighting the same battles as his father. 
Nothing is known about the female Rockatsy heir. As for the youngest son, Yosef, many believe he was the Count of Saint-Germain. And the Count did little to suggest otherwise. He regularly went by the name Graf Zarogi, an anagram for Rockotsi, and openly told people he was Yosef. One of the Count's last patrons, the Margrave of Brandenburg, invited him to live in his palace. That's partly because Germain had claimed to be Yosef Rakotsi. Two years later, though, an acquaintance of the Margrave informed him that all three Rakotsi children had died. He was enraged and embarrassed that the Count had lied to him, so he sent Saint-Germain packing. After getting kicked out of the Margrave's castle, Saint-Germain adjusted his story. Instead of claiming to be Yosef, he told his next patron that he was born of Ferenc Rakotsi's marriage to Ilona Zerinyi. But this claim doesn't really hold up either. Zerinyi was Rakotsi's mother, not his wife. Besides, her eldest son, whom Germain now claimed to be, had died in the year 1700 at age four. Ultimately, the theory that Saint-Germain was secret royalty doesn't hold much water. The main contenders who've been suggested as his possible family all fall apart upon closer inspection. I suppose it's possible that he was connected to some other royal line, but that's impossible to disprove. Yeah, I agree. And maybe that's why the Count preferred not to say exactly who his parents were. The mere suggestion that he was royalty was enough to open doors and get him access to the rich and powerful. And the more he avoided specifics, the harder it was to expose him as a fraud. But what about other rumors, like the ones that claimed he'd found the Philosopher's Stone and gained immortality? Well, now that's an interesting one, because there are accounts from various people who claim the Count bounced throughout history for hundreds of years. For a man like Saint-Germain, maybe that possibility wasn't so far-fetched. Coming up, did Saint-Germain hold the key to immortality? Hi, listeners. I'm Vanessa Richardson, host of Serial Killers. Like many of you, I'm fascinated by the darker side of humanity. What causes someone to develop such deadly desires and why they decide to act on them? For the past six years, I've been able to explore these curiosities weekly, tapping into the mental states of the world's most notorious killers, examining their backgrounds and habits, searching for answers. If you haven't had a chance to check out our show, there's truly no better time to dive in. With hundreds of episodes to binge and new ones released weekly, Serial Killers is the perfect podcast for any avid true crime fan. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Serial Killers. Listen for free only on Spotify. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now back to the story. 
Throughout his lifetime, the Count of Saint-Germain inspired a lot of conspiracy theories. People wanted to know, who was this man? Where did he come from? And in the search for these answers, rumors swirled, taking a life of their own. This brings us to conspiracy theory number two. The Count of Saint-Germain was a regular man who'd found the Philosopher's Stone, thereby gaining immortality. The rumors about Saint-Germain seemed to start at his parties. While entertaining dinner guests, the Count would regale his audience with detailed stories about prominent figures such as Jesus and Cleopatra. These stories were chock-full of vivid, convincing details. The Count described everything, from people's clothing to their facial expressions. It was like he'd been there firsthand at events that took place hundreds of years prior. This could be dismissed as the Count building up his own mystique, but if it was a ploy, it really worked. Years after his supposed death in 1784, people were still claiming they'd seen Germain alive and in the flesh. First, at the Paris Masonic Convention of 1785, then again in 1896 and 1926. A man in France even attested to being Saint-Germain in the 1970s. He made the rounds on European television, touting his extraordinary powers. Was he another con artist, taking advantage of the Count's legend? Or had Saint-Germain returned? Even while he was alive, the Count's age varied depending on who you asked. To some, Saint-Germain insisted he was several decades older than he appeared. To others, several hundred years older. Eventually, his rumored age ascended into the thousands. The whole ordeal inspired a favorite anecdote of Frederick the Great. According to Frederick, a man once asked Saint-Germain if he was over 2,000 years old and acquainted with Jesus Christ. The Count confirmed that he had been friends with the Messiah. Skeptical, the man turned to Saint-Germain's servant and asked if he could verify this. The servant shrugged and said, I couldn't tell you. I've only been with him for 300 years. So, how did Saint-Germain supposedly avoid aging and death? Could it be he truly was immortal? Let's start by examining something the Count himself claimed, that on a trip to India around 1755, he found the legendary Philosopher's Stone. The first known mention of the Philosopher's Stone dates back to approximately 300 AD in a book written by Zosimos, a Greco-Egyptian alchemist. Zosimos claimed the stone could transform common metals like lead or iron into gold or silver, and even more enticing, that it would grant youth and immortality to whoever possessed it. In 1773, in a letter written to a friend, Saint-Germain said he'd found the Philosopher's Stone in India 18 years prior. Given the Count's rumored alchemical abilities and youthful disposition, well, the claim didn't seem far-fetched. And there was something else that contributed to the claim's believability. According to Zosimos, the stone was not a stone. It was a powdered substance. 
and to obtain its benefits when presumably just had to ingest it. If you remember in part one, we mentioned that the Count of Saint-Germain avoided eating or drinking in front of people. The only thing he would consume was a tea he brewed himself. Some believe this tea was made using the philosopher's stone powder. And that's what gave the Count his youthful countenance. Supposedly, Saint-Germain didn't keep his concoction to himself. Some stories claim the Count brewed an elixir of life for his closest friends and confidants. When he was in Paris, he made such an elixir for Madame de Pompadour. This potion, he told her, would keep her from aging for several centuries. According to Casanova's diaries, Pompadour was so convinced it worked that she told her lover, King Louis XV, she wasn't getting any older. Saint-Germain's alleged youth potion even made the news. On June 5, 1760, the London Chronicle published an article about the mysterious Count, and it featured a puzzling anecdote about a distressed woman. Apparently, the woman began to see signs of aging on her face. So she approached Saint-Germain and asked if he'd really found a way to prevent old age. After making her swear an oath of secrecy, the Count supposedly gave her a small vial containing four to five spoonfuls of a clear liquid. He instructed her to drink ten drops at the first quarter moon and again at the full moon. Then he left with no instruction on how to find him again. The woman stored the flask in her room. When she saw her maid, who was around 45 years old, eyeing it, she claimed it was a remedy for a stomachache to avoid suspicion. That evening, the maid felt severe pains in her abdomen. That's when she remembered her mistress's little bottle. She took a sip from the vial and found the taste heavenly. She figured more couldn't hurt and ended up drinking the entire thing. She refilled the bottle with water and put it back. The next morning, the lady of the house called out to her maid. To her surprise, a young girl of 16 responded. The woman was disturbed by the interloper. She called out the name of her maid again. But the girl looked confused and said, Here I am, madam. Don't you recognize me? The idea that Saint-Germain's tea was brewed with powder from the Philosopher's Stone makes for an interesting story, but there are more rational explanations to explain why he didn't eat or drink at parties. Some sources theorize the Count didn't eat in others' presence simply because he didn't enjoy drinking alcohol or eating to excess, as was common amongst the wealthy of his day. As for the tea, some sources claimed it was made of centipods, which were used as a mild laxative. It makes sense that Saint-Germain would regularly drink laxative tea. In the 18th century, constipation was considered a serious problem, and many health treatments were focused on purging the body. Some historians even believe the Count's laxative tea may explain another of his life's mysteries— Namely, how he earned the rank of general in the Russian military. It's been theorized that Saint-Germain supplied his laxative tea to Russian troops to keep them regular. And that's why Count Orlov claimed the Count was, quote, a great help to our rebellion. 
As for the claim Saint-Germain found the Philosopher's Stone, well, that story has a couple of titanic-sized holes. First, there is some doubt as to whether Saint-Germain ever went to India. Some accounts place him in Vienna at the same time as his alleged expedition. The only evidence of this expedition is a letter supposedly written by Saint-Germain to his friend, Count Lamberg, in 1773. The odd thing is, his description of India is generic and vague, unlike his usual detailed stories. So, if the Count never possessed the Philosopher's Stone, how can we explain his encounters with Jesus and Julius Caesar? Or justify people's belief that from the early 1700s through the 1970s, the Count didn't seem to age? Oh, well, I think the answer to the first question is obvious. Saint-Germain was lying. We know that he was a skilled storyteller with an incredible memory. Party guests of his day claimed he was able to recite pages of text after reading them once. But even more important than his memory or his storytelling skills was his ability to read a room. The Count would change his stories depending on who he was talking to. If someone seemed gullible, Saint-Germain would boldly claim that he knew Holy Roman Emperor Charles V from the 1500s, But if the audience was more skeptical, Saint-Germain would simply recount the story with some details that lightly suggested he'd been there. If anyone called him a liar, he'd laugh and agree that it was all just a lark, and that anyone who actually believed his stories was stupid. Now, let's address the accounts of Madame de Gergy. She said she met the Count in 1710, and then again 50 years later. In all that time, she alleged, Germain hadn't aged a day. How can we explain this? The simple explanation is that de Gergy was just mistaken. And what about the man from the 70s who claimed to be Saint-Germain? That one we can actually disprove. He turned out to be a French actor and con man by the name of Richard Chanfray, and he was looking to scam his way into some money and publicity. Now, that actually does make him sound more like the Count of Saint-Germain, but I think it's safe to rule out the theory that Saint-Germain was immortal thanks to the Philosopher's Stone. Anything's possible, but the details don't add up. I agree. It's likely these stories started as tall tales created by Saint-Germain to build his mystique, Instead of dying with him, they became even more exaggerated by a decades-long game of telephone. So, is that it? Not quite. There's one more theory to look at, and it combines New Age worship, reincarnation, and the Freemasons. Coming up, is Saint-Germain a reincarnated sage? Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. 
they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Now back to the story. We discussed the possibility that Saint-Germain descended from nobility. We also covered the belief that the Count found the Philosopher's Stone, making him ageless and immortal. But there's not enough evidence to back up any of these theories. So, was the Count just a regular man? An unusually charming social climber? That's the obvious explanation. But some people still believe otherwise even centuries after his supposed death. So much so, theories took off explaining the Count's alleged supernatural abilities. This brings us to conspiracy theory number three. Saint-Germain was a spiritual leader, a reincarnated being who prophesied and guided humanity throughout the ages. The notion that Saint-Germain tried to put his finger on the scale of history started before his death. Some believe that he was a founding member of the Freemasons in the early 1700s. The secret fraternal society boasts such members as George Washington, FDR, Mozart, Mark Twain, and even Colonel Sanders. An obscure text by the 20th century mystic Manly P. Hall suggests that Saint-Germain may have even played a role in the American Revolution. Hall describes a mysterious gentleman of unknown age who was allegedly friends with George Washington and Benjamin Franklin and who told stories from centuries past as if he'd been there. Incredible as it seems, Hall suggests this figure played a major role in the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Around the same time in Europe, others allege Saint-Germain was making prophecies about world events. According to the Comtesse d'Ademar, the Count reached out to her shortly after Marie Antoinette ascended to the throne in 1774. He told the Comtesse that change was in the air in France and it could topple the entire social order. He implored her to use her sway with the new queen to warn her that reform was needed. If Marie Antoinette received these warnings, she did not heed them as she was beheaded during the early years of the French Revolution in 1793. Daremar said Saint-Germain was present at the queen's execution nine years after his supposed death. Rumors about Saint-Germain's supposed prophecies continued throughout the years. In 1845, author Franz Greffer said he met Saint-Germain years after the Count's death. During this encounter, Greffer claims, the Count told him he would disappear from Europe toward the end of the century to rest but he would reappear 85 years later. With the onset of the 19th century, the Count of Saint-Germain became the focus of a new religion called Theosophy. Founded by Madame Blavatsky in 1875, Theosophists were part of the New Age spiritual movement characterized by beliefs in things like reincarnation, astrology, physics, and spiritual energy. 
To give you an exceptionally brief summary, theosophists believe that there are people called great masters or adepts who appear throughout history and are reborn under different names and visages. These adepts are said to have supernatural powers like teleporting, levitating, walking through walls, and telepathy. Most importantly, though, they are thought to be spiritual teachers who impart wisdom upon the willing and worthy. Theosophists generally believe several figures throughout history were adepts. Depending on who you ask, these include mostly Eastern spiritual leaders like Confucius or Gautama Buddha. But around 1930, a branch of Theosophy identified the Count as an adept and made him the cornerstone figure of their beliefs. The story starts with Guy Ballard, a lifelong student of Theosophy and the occult. He moved to Mount Shasta, California around 1930 and quickly became enamored with the mountain near his home. Guy had heard rumors of a spiritual group known as the Brotherhood of Mount Shasta holding meetings out in nature. Allegedly, this group was composed of men who'd become so spiritually advanced that they transcended the need for a physical form. With a spring in his step and hope in his heart, Ballard headed to Mount Shasta to see if there was any truth to the stories. And he found it while hiking one August day. Ballard claims the Saint-Germain appeared to him on the mountain. He said the Count revealed to him the secrets of the Ascended Masters, then prepared him to fulfill a new role as their messenger. From that moment on, Guy's entire life took on a new meaning. He and his wife Edna devoted the rest of their lives to the Count's teachings. In 1932, they even founded the Saint-Germain Foundation, which spread the word on what they referred to as the I Am activity. This movement preached the gospel of Saint-Germain. Their goal was to usher mankind into a new golden age. Even after Guy died in 1939, or ascended, as his followers called it, Edna continued his work. At one point, the I Am movement claimed to have over a million students. The I Am activity shares many beliefs with traditional theosophists, but they elevate Saint-Germain to a godlike status, making him the primary figure of their movement. And they're not the only ones. Several groups believe the Count was reborn multiple times, with his past incarnations including figures like Plato, Merlin, and Christopher Columbus. These groups maintain that Saint-Germain's penultimate rebirth was as Sir Francis Bacon. Often called the father of empiricism, Bacon was born in 1561, nearly 150 years before the supposed birth of the historical Saint-Germain. As Francis Bacon, Saint-Germain wrote several of the plays commonly attributed to Shakespeare, at least that's what some New Age believers think. They go so far as to claim that Bacon smuggled in coded details about various high society secrets and scandals within the plays. Inevitably, Sir Francis Bacon neared the end of his natural life. But he didn't want to leave the world without his guidance, so he faked his death in 1626. 
after attending his funeral in disguise. He traveled to Transylvania and in 1684 attained physical ascension. Now, this means he was granted a physical body that did not age. And hence, as the 17th century came to a close, he was reborn as the ageless Saint-Germain we know. So, were groups like the I Am Activity onto something? Was Saint-Germain a reincarnated spiritual leader? Well, there are a lot of things at play here, so let's tackle the claims chronologically and consider which sources hold water. What about the notion that Saint-Germain was one of the founders of the Freemasons? If we dismiss the idea that the Count is ageless, which the Freemasons do not consider him to be, the timing doesn't add up. The Masons say that their order was established in 1717. Most scholars believe Saint-Germain was born around 1710. That would mean that he founded the secret society around the age of seven. It's not the most ridiculous theory we've discussed, but it doesn't seem likely. What about Madame Dademar's claims? She'd insisted that Saint-Germain had predicted Marie Antoinette's bloody demise over a decade before it happened. Well, the book that she claimed this in, Souvenir de Marie Antoinette, contained several fabricated scenes that Dademar couldn't possibly have been present for. So basically, all her writings are suspect. Lastly, there's Franz Greffer's story about Saint-Germain telling him he'd returned to Europe 85 years after the end of the century. Greffer was born in 1785, a year after Saint-Germain died. So the only way this evidence can be considered reliable is if you already believe the Count was immortal. As for the Theosophists, the only so-called proof they offer that Saint-Germain was a magical adept are stories of divine revelations and visions. The same is true of the I Am activity, and their claims seem even less reliable when you look deeper into the group's history. At the height of the I Am activity's popularity, several former students of the movement came forward to criticize the Ballards. They accused Guy of plagiarizing most of the tenets of the I Am activity from occult books and of fleecing students for money. A few students even tried suing the Ballards in the 1940s. The case made it all the way to the Supreme Court, which ruled in favor of the Ballards. The decision argued that U.S. courts cannot legally examine the truth of religious beliefs. The I Am activity continues to operate to this day through the Saint-Germain Foundation, which was granted tax-exempt status in 1957. So, do we believe the New Age claims that Saint-Germain was a reincarnated being, an ascended master guiding humanity toward a better tomorrow? Well, similar to the United States judicial system, It's difficult for us to judge the sincerity of Guy Ballard's claims. You either buy that he saw the Count on that mountaintop, or you don't. That's true. But I have to say, the New Age beliefs don't seem to have much bearing on what we know about the historical Saint-Germain. 
It's unclear where their beliefs, those attributing God's status to the Count, even came from. During his lifetime, the Count seemed to be more of an entertainer and an entrepreneur than a spiritual leader. Besides, Saint-Germain has already gone down in history as an alchemist, a charming storyteller, and a seemingly ageless and immortal being. For a man who was likely just a skilled social climber, I'd say that feat is remarkable enough. It certainly is. And while we'll probably never know the truth about the Count, that's likely just what he would have wanted, to remain an unsolved mystery. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. For more information on the Count of Saint-Germain, amongst the many sources we used, we found the translated work of the Count of Saint-Germain by Gustav Berthold Volz to be extremely helpful to our research. We're here on Mondays and Wednesdays with all new episodes. Until next time, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from ParCast, executive produced by Max Cutler. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production and quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ryan O'Leary-Jones is our supervising editor, and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Danny Messerschmidt, edited by Wendelin Sabroso and Andrew Kelleher, fact-checked by Bennett Logan, researched by Brian Petrus, recorded by Alex Button, produced by Bruce Kotovich, with sound design by Michael Langsner. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Carter Roy. Mm-hmm.